Welcome everyone to the new episode of the Monica podcast and today we have a special guest. This is the first episode that we will host one from the IOTA Foundation. The guest is known to everyone. His name is Holger. He is the director of market adoption in IOTA. Welcome Holger. Hey Thomas, it's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and also like yeah, so thanks for the invite and thanks for organizing everything. I think it's like an awesome initiative and we're seeing a lot more of the ecosystem coming together. Everyone is chipping in uh, with with his or her skills and I really love the whole Monaco theme. It has captured me quite fast, I have to admit. And yeah, so like fun. it's an it's an honor to be here. Mm. Well, I've been looking forward to this episode quite a lot because uh, we have been chatting quite for a long time uh, and finally you're here. Uh, so if you could start off uh, telling us a little bit about yourself, like how you came into IOTA, uh, what you're doing in IOTA, etc. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, my name is Olga, as anyone, everyone knows, um, yeah, I have a history uh, in IT. So I worked for like 10 years at Siemens, started in consulting, went then on with project management, um, and then went into the, the leadership slash management role. Um, then there was a big transition from Siemens to Atos, where they did a, essentially a carve out of the whole core IT, uh, which was then operated by Atos. Atos is like a global uh, IT outsourcer with, I don't know, like it was 120,000 people during this time, but they are well known in the in the space. Um, I worked seven years at Atos. Um, I was at Atos, I was leading several man global managed services um, for different types of monitoring. So I have a quite a you know, pretty well understanding uh, in general around IT, around how to uh, organize things. I'm not really a specialist in any of the topics but an IT generalist to jump quickly also between topics. Um, in the last two years, I was the lead architect and CTO for the Telefonica account. It was like a big deal what Hatos signed at this time, some hundred million uh, euros. Uh, so when you drive into Munich, you see this very big O2 uh, tower. And this is where I spend quite a lot of time. And now at the IOTA Foundation, um, I, so I started as the director for partnerships, uh, but it has extended quite a lot also with the growth. I think when I, so I started in June, I was on 2019, no, 2018 already. Um, I was onboarded a little bit earlier that I can read up on stuff, which was quite nice. So I had like a, a running start um, and the, uh, at the foundation, essentially, I tend uh, with the whole team towards the needs of the different industry partners. So uh, essentially, when we are creating more awareness around IOTA, what we are doing, who we are, what our principles are, that we are like not just the 999th shitcoin, uh, let's say, uh, in the space, but that we are really uh, based on fundamental uh, research principles, peer reviews to, to drive the technology of the whole space forward. Um, this, of course, creates a lot of interest also with commercial entities or other types of organizations. Then they contact us because they have questions as like, oh, how does this work? Like, how can I apply this to my use case? Uh, what is the latest innovation in this field? So they are also searching a bit for consulting, uh, but mainly they want to innovate and some are faster than others. So they have like different types of questions, but essentially like the my, my job evolves around uh, answering all of those questions. Um, and then when we take it one step further, when they say, oh, we want to do a proof of concept, or they want to dive into it themselves, then we make sure that they have the right communication channels. We like typically onboard them to our Slack. So our internal Slack does not happening on Discord. Um, we onboard them on our Slack. And then we see like, I would say like all shades of gray uh, from companies having their own really fit uh, teams to implement IOTA. 
uh, versus others who want to out-task uh, or delegate certain tasks to us. Uh, so we help them in like any way, shape or form. Um, with these projects and uh, we also do all the different grant applications um, in market adoption so um, yeah, there are a lot of like or like <laughs> I think the whole market adoption department they're all really gems like Mikkel is absolute in absolutely incredible uh, like Nenad has just started um, like in writing grant applications uh, and we have quite a high success rate so these are then typically public grants um, which we apply for and uh, where we then go into implementation this started in 2018 the city exchange until then we have like one uh, several more with quite some nice sums but also with very strong consortias uh, and the goal to really innovate the space and show how distributed ledger technology uh, can be an additional puzzle piece into securing uh, business models, but also innovating new business models. Um, so we are also implementing those projects. And as part of this, we have like a department which has grown to, I think like over 30 people now. Uh, so of different types of uh, engineers, of project managers to handle all of this correctly because they're very formal European Union grants or German grants from the uh, BMWI, um, the, the Institute in Germany. So everything needs to be very formal, very strict on the reporting. Um, and of course, we need to make sure that all of this is uh, handled the correct way. Um, and then, of course, we like I work together with Regine. Um, Regine so Regine and I, we are leading together the, the department and make sure that so Regine is taking a bit more care of the strategic part. I'm taking care a bit more of the operational part. Um, but together, like we make sure that everybody's empowered and that we can like strive towards showing how IOTA is like changing this whole field. It's a lot of work, but it's also very satisfying seeing all of this growth. Yeah, needless to say, it's quite an exciting uh, job you got in the IOTA Foundation. Um, looks like you're able to, to have a part in quite a lot of different aspects and directions within the foundation. Um, so yeah, really cool. Uh, let's dive into the first questions. The IOTA Foundation was always about providing a layer for the IOT. Uh, for some months it's now much more active in the crypto space. What changed? Yeah, this, this is quite interesting um, because initially we had the, the idea that we are going to see like a huge growth of uh, IOT, which is of course still happening. And the idea was to develop a really scalable base layer because very early, like everyone involved in IOTA, like, uh, like of course, especially the founders with Tusegis, uh, David, Dominic, like quickly realized that there are limitations to, to the blockchain, which is like mainly based uh, on the blocks because the blocks only fit a very limited size of transactions. So you have um, like everyone who wants to use the blockchain, they're like competing for this space in the block. Uh, and then they have to pay fees and who pays the most fees gets the space in the block. And this is like a very competitive concept. And because of this is also a very limiting concept. And then they thought about, hmm, how could we just improve this? Um, then Sergey came up with the whole idea of the, uh, of the deck. Um, so to link, the, it's a directed acyclic graph, if you are listening in the first time. So it's not a blockchain, but it's a different mathematical construct underneath it. And um, the idea was to really provide like uh, all the benefits of the blockchain uh, in a technology, but not the drawbacks of the blockchain. And because of the growth of the IoT, we thought, um, oh, this is awesome, because right? IoT is going to be like one of the really huge growth factors. And this was before the whole DeFi space also started to kick off. And over the time, we realized that IOTA is not only for IoT anymore, but because we are aiming for like a highly scalable consensus layer, which is a complete novelty in the field, I can talk about this uh, maybe a bit as well. Um, it's like suitable for a lot of other scenarios. Um, and until this time, we like really had it on the radar until I would say like maybe three years ago. Um, and three years ago, we realized, like also like before the whole DeFi craziness like started to kick off, uh, but we saw over the last two years, especially, 
uh, we saw, hey, what we are doing, we can apply this to like a lot more fields, which are now starting to evolve even faster and where the, the more impact can be generated. And this was then the first uh, time when we thought, all right, let's also implement smart contracts. Let's go into the planning. Uh, IOTA, because of the DAC, um, essentially there's no research existing uh, or was no research existing at this time. Uh, so how do you do like a, a DAC? How do you do a system where you have a different incentive mechanism versus just paying fees? Right? Because the typical miner um, is looking for very high fees uh, in order to, to earn his uh, evening bread. Uh, and so essentially uh, the, the whole economic uh, or the whole security of the of those blockchains they are relying on the miners and on yeah now then there was a like proof of stake uh, and so on but essentially what we are doing when we're saying we don't have any fees um, we, we don't have like any miner in this whole equation so we needed to think around all of these shortcuts which are existing in blockchain and to think how can we create really a scalable system which does not have any fees and this is like turning out to be like now just a huge advantage, um, um, which we're going to have, uh, especially in the Web3. I will talk about this in a second. Um, but so how do we design a system which has like no fees, which is like really scalable with a new consensus mechanism, uh, which is not limited when you have like certain number of validators like dropping out of the system so that the blockchain is halting, what we saw with Solana like quite a few times now the DDoS attacks which were going on. So how do we design how do we design all of this? And this is then where the research is coming in and where I think we really went from being quite underestimated in the whole space to, to one of the leading organizations or research organizations in the whole space uh, to really iterate how the next generation of DLT uh, can look like. Uh, so this was the uh, this was a bit like the to do to like a, a recap and mm. essentially uh, what has changed in a, in a nutshell is that we realized iota is not for iot anymore but you can extend it towards like a lot of other scenarios and DeFi is just like the largest growing space where you have a lot of capital and money also coming in which is also acting as a sort of reference point uh, for the whole industry. So we have some industries which are innovating through the innovation departments, but there are also other industries which are just taking something which is already finished uh, or which has been innovated. Uh, and uh, in the DeFi space, or uh, and you can see this in DeFi, you can see this in uh, tokenization uh, as well, um, but that nobody wants to invent the wheel, like in air quotes, with their own uh, resources. And we are uh, working so yeah, together with the more traditional industries as well. So this hasn't changed. This is still the, the, in the DNA of IOTA, but we are also strongly extending towards where we see the benefits and where we have the where we can have the most impact with what we are doing. Because it also doesn't make sense that we uh, create this incredible protocol and then nobody knows about it uh, where it could actually have an impact. Hmm. Yeah. But you're still focused on the industry, uh, like uh, bigger companies and, and that way as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, we see where the, where the dollar inflow is essentially happening. And we are looking like, what? How, how can we also design IOTA that it maps or that it fulfills the characteristics of both of these requirements? Uh, because you have like, at one point you have the innovation, uh, but innovation in corporates is typically happening at a much slower pace simply because yeah. when they innovate they have like a lot more impact uh, towards the product so when something is not working or when something is not scalable uh, it will just be a drawback for them versus going towards a centralized solution and there are also like different stages of progress in which those company are, companies are uh, but typically innovation is happening uh, much slower no? uh, but at a more like uh, slow but constant pace uh, whereas the whole uh, DeFi slash crypto uh, uh, space they are like uh, how to say yeah, a lot faster they have a lot more speed they break things fast they test out uh, what works and this is like a very fertile ground for us as well because we have this underlying base layer which we are uh, designing uh, and improving and um, I, iota is not 
like for a single purpose, but it can handle just so many scenarios. And so it's like also exciting to see what other organizations are then actually building on it or where it fits best, where we are getting, where we are getting the best traction. Uh, so like both of these areas are quite fascinating. I think the most is happening at the moment in DeFi space. And then this was also to say, all right, uh, let's uh, extend towards DeFi um, and let's get things done there. And this was then the reason why two years ago, one and a half years, two years ago, um, like a year ago after we thought of the smart contract implementation, we started to think around how could like a truly decentralized system look like. So similar, like we did it before on the base layer, we thought about where are smart contracts limiting at the moment. And we are seeing this with Ethereum where uh, you don't have like any atomic composability. So this means that you can exchange assets or information directly between those different smart contract chains. So this is a very big drawback because you're seeing like a ton of Ethereum bridges, for example. I mean, Chainlink has made a specialty out of this <laughs> in the end. Um, but we are seeing that this is like a blind spot of the whole industry and it hasn't really been solved. And then like two years ago, I think, we started to design uh, like a complete novel smart contract platform uh, with assembly from the first ideas, requirements, engineering, like how would this fit towards those different scenarios which we are seeing evolving uh, to not just build something crazy or build like a moonshot thing or a fire and forget thing, but really to think about how can, how can we create something sustainable which will impact the market because it covers a shortcut, uh, it covers like a shortcoming under which the whole market is currently suffering. And we are seeing this more and more clearly, uh, like uh, what was it like, I think it was Polygon, Medic, uh, like where the fees just like went up uh, like X10 or something like this. So where networks, when they get more popular um, because the whole space is evolving because they have more capital flow coming in, uh, where the network is getting congested very quickly and there, like i mean like theorem is already congested what you can see with the fees um, so everything is turning towards layer two to say all right ethereum is um, just the connecting layer for all of those systems but it's still like quite expensive then to settle a layer two transaction on the ethereum network um, and a lot of scalability is then trying to happen through layer two and we just think with the or see that with what we are providing or are going to provide to the space, uh, especially after core decide, we are going to have like a very fast consensus mechanism. We are going to have a scalable, highly scalable network. Uh, we are going to do a lot on layer one, which is just impossible for the other networks. It will still take a little while to build all of this, uh, but all the concepts uh, are now there. They're getting integrated. They're getting battle tested already like internally. Uh, and I think we're going to have quite a huge competitive advantage uh, like uh, when we launch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the scalability and the feedless uh, really is a major advantage when it comes to this space and people are really starting to notice. Uh, we spoke about this in a couple other episodes. Um, but in, in order to maximize the impact of IOTA, which you are really doing right now, um, you've just released two, two quite major announcements, uh, two new networks, uh, Shimmer and Assembly. Uh, so we'd like to talk a little bit about those. Uh, we can start off with Shimmer, since that was the first one that came out. Um, yeah. Like, what is Shimmer? And why? Yeah, so, <laughs> so Shimmer is a bit like Iota's crazy cousin. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can phrase it like this. So uh, we want to launch Shimmer to also see how other token economics like could work. So there's going to be an APR of like 8%. We're going to airdrop the whole shimmer supply uh, onto IOTA uh, stakers when you stake your tokens uh, in, in IOTA in, in the Firefly wallet. And shimmer as the crazy cousin is like to, to test things out, really break things fast to make, uh, to also like battle test the underlying protocol before or underlying functionalities before we move them to IOTA. So IOTA is this, like very resilient, very well, uh, documented very well researched network and shimmer is a little bit like Polkadot's Kusama. Uh, so like the crazy test net where stuff might break at one point where we iterate fast, but also where we battle test stuff fast. And it helps us to be 
uh, to have like an iterative development process, which is constantly improving, uh, and where we just yeah test and break things fast to see if they if it works or if it doesn't work, or then uh, to improve it because you can test stuff. Let's say. Uh, much better in a public network, which is actually being used versus in lab conditions than where you might miss maybe something. Or you can like, uh, and of course, the other way around can say when we design it, uh, everything in the lab, we test everything, we map out the use cases uh, and so on, then Shimmer gives us the possibility to see if our assumptions are holding true as well. Uh, which we were also seeing with the DevNet 2.0, which we launched like, well, I don't know, like a year ago or something like this already. So the DevNet 2.0 without the coordinator uh, doesn't have any coordinate, central coordinator node anymore, uh, which is sending out the milestones. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, by the way, because there's always like this big mystery about the coordinator. Mm -hmm. uh, the coordinator controls the network. Maybe it can move tokens, blah, 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 but cannot do anything like this. It just sends milestones and it just prevents a double spend. But every transaction is checked by every node in the network. So while the coordinator is still operated by us, the network itself is already decentralized and is checking its validity. Um, yeah. And when we have the new consensus mechanism online, then we can also remove the coordinator. Yeah, but uh, so this is like what Shimmer is doing, test things, break things fast and provide the training grounds and the, the battlegrounds to test IOTA functionalities before we move them to the mainnet. Yeah, uh, the staking of it is really fun. It's really fun to just log into Firefly, see how you generate new tokens every 10 seconds. Uh, yeah, it's quite satisfying Christmas every when day. you look at it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but what will, what will give uh, the Shimmer token value? So, uh, what will give the Shimmer token value is that um, we have functionality earlier on Shimmer than we have on IOTA, and um, uh, probably like a couple of months earlier, or maybe like a year earlier. I don't know. It depends a bit also on the functionality. So when we talk about smart contracts and what smart contracts will enable on IOTA, we're going to launch them on Shimmer first. And when we launch them on Shimmer, we uh, enable other companies to also, or organizations to also build on this and start this interconnected ecosystem or cross-connected ecosystem already. And uh, in order to, to do this, uh, like when we're going to have production use cases with all of these organizations launching on IOTA. This can be like NFT projects. This can be like the, the games like Volks, Mythica, uh, and so on. Um, they're going to use it already for production. So of course, we have to make sure that uh, to have it stable so that uh, these companies can uh, or projects can, can build on it. But they're going to have a lot more functionality. And in order to then utilize the the project or utilize a DEX, for example, already before we, they launch it on the mainnet, um, they can just like do it on Shimmer. But in order then to use it, like you need Shimmer tokens again. So I think the Shimmer token is going to have some value. I have like zero idea how much is going to be, but when you want to test stuff early and really get this competitive advantage uh, and not want to wait until we launch or you want to launch it on the mainnet because the functionality is not there, then you have to use Shimmer tokens. Yeah, so like the more projects that are testing on Shimmer, the higher value the token will be because it's more token use. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Uh, so then we got the assembly network, which is just as exciting uh, could you tell us a little bit more there? Yeah, assembly, uh, I think is, assembly is going to be really like a game changer mm. um, uh, because it has all the unique features which we do not see often or which we do not see in this combination uh, in the DeFi space. So we have IOTA smart contracts and IOTA smart contracts um, they are requiring a fixed committee of validators. So it's a little bit uh, like what can be seen with Hyperledger. Uh, Hyperledger works internally, uh, of course, but uh, what we can see uh, there, you have like a fixed committee of validators for a smart contract, and then the smart contract result is saved on the Tangle, and, uh, but it's not really an open system. And with assembly, we are going to create uh, on, uh, on the smart contract layer, a completely open system 
which makes the whole ecosystem completely interoperable, which also creates like a marketplace for the node operators, which creates incentives for the node operators. But the biggest benefit uh, of assembly, I think that first it's like uh, language and virtual machine agnostic, but it's EVM compatible. So a lot of projects can start to build either uh, on a fresh ground on assembly uh, or they, uh, when they are using the EVM, they can just like port over to assembly uh, very easy. Uh, but it doesn't have like the big benefit is that it doesn't have any relays or any bridges required. So typically when you think of a bridge, you have like uh, of two ecosystems which cannot natively talk with each other. So just look at Ethereum, no? uh, then you need a, a bridge provider. And what the bridge provider is doing is that uh, essentially, uh, he operates two systems uh, or it has two legs, uh, one leg in each network. Uh, you send tokens to him, the tokens get wrapped up, uh, get like locked in one network, and then the provider is issuing tokens in the other network. Uh, and they are then called wrapped tokens of some sort. And mm -hmm. then you can deal with these tokens. But of course, the provider also needs to, wants to earn some money, he needs to provide uh, server infrastructure which uh, also costs a little bit so he's also taking uh, some fee in order to transition those tokens typically in addition to the network fee because you also have to transition your network tokens to this provider uh, and also when you want to uh, move back to the first network you need to uh, do another transaction so you're also paying again the fee and uh, with assembly we are getting rid of all of this so we have like um, assembly is essentially a native ground where all of these smart contracts ecosystem they can interact natively with each other without having to pay this this fee they can also share assets uh, like uh, nfts for example which are also then minted on the iota layer one which can be used in all of these smart contract networks and you can even use the token of another smart contract network in your own smart contract network and you know how to how to work with it and how to deal with it. So um, the, you have like incredibly low cost for assembly because it takes away all of these uh, transformation steps which people want to get paid for. And at the same time, we provide like a lot more security. Uh, and we also provide um, more token node operator incentives as well. And then you think, you have assembly and then you uh, have like the whole IOTA deck still on the bottom of it, whereas the underlying framework yeah, of it. So where we're going to have finality within seconds, I think like when Hans tested it, we had a finality uh, on the IOTA layer between like some 60 milliseconds and mm. like two seconds, something like this. So it's like blazingly fast. Yeah? Yeah. And so we see all of these benefits we can do like a much better scaling so we can do a horizontal scaling so we can put a lot more layer two functionalities on top of already uh, of an already highly scalable network and we can have them natively interact with all of them yeah? um, at one point we are also going to have uh, sharding as well uh, and we have like a lot more flexibility so you can have like open chains you yeah, can have like permissioned chains uh, on top of assembly you can have application chains where just the owner is saying all right we're going to have zero fees for this but uh, i'm going to secure I'm going to operate those uh, all of the nodes within a consortium, for example, as well, or just I operate the nodes myself, uh, um, and I just automate stuff through smart contracts um, underlying an application. And so we have a lot of flexibility for DeFi, for marketplaces, for native assets, for DAOs, for the whole gaming sector, which can start to interchange assets. And this then... Uh, yeah, social networks, what we are also seeing, uh, decentralized, um, which has been launched, or no, decensored, sorry, uh, Lucas, it's called decensored, uh, so, or Society2 uh, as projects. So essentially, we provide a highly scalable base layer with a lot more flexibility. And on top of that, we provide assembly where we have native token into exchange for a very, very low cost and very high flexibility to whatever you want to build on it. And I don't think that something like this already exists in the space because either you have a bridge of some sort uh, or you have to make a trade-off in security and all of this we just don't have uh, with assembly. 
Mm-hmm. I was talking a little bit about with people that's building up on top of IOTA and uh, they've been quite surprised uh, just like everyone else when assembly came out but they've been really happy about it they, they really like the uh, uh, the concept that's been released and it wasn't too much work for them to been able to uh, to set it up so they can work with assembly so uh, yeah I think it's very good and um, also uh, even though assembly has its own token it won't steal value from the IOTA token, will it? It would probably gain value to the IOTA token. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the end, you will still need the IOTA token depending on how large your ecosystem is and how many transactions you want to settle uh, through assembly uh, uh, because it runs through the IOTA network uh, on the bottom. So when the network is completely congested, then you will need the IOTA token uh, because it provides bandwidth in the network. Uh, you still don't pay any fees, so it's like an opportunity cost only. You can at any point like just uh, reduce capacity, sell IOTA tokens if you want again. Uh, so your stack of tokens is not melting. Um, and yeah, so uh, when we are really creating this huge ecosystem um, and when we see more projects coming into uh, onto assembly, but also onto IOTA, um, then this will also, yeah, uh, create more demand. I would like estimate for the IOTA token. And yeah. like when I think of the growth, so and of Web three and of the whole metaverse, I don't think there are like a lot of projects which are very well suited for it. Like if you look at all of the Web3 discussions, like one big point is always the scalability. And this is exactly the point we are addressing with IOTA. And uh, in Web3, I mean, you have like uh, also several, let's say, topics. Right? And DeFi is now the, say, the, the whole uh, starting to provide the whole financial center for Web3. So maybe it's like the first real application for Web3 as well uh, as, as the DeFi space. Um, and then you see like typically markets or like more ecosystem growth gradually de developing um, in places. So like in, when you map it to the real world, where you have places where you have like uh, built out transportation or growing transportation, where you have like water supply and resources and so on. So this is uh, where you then have like financial trade uh, uh, in the real world. And this is how uh, a city grows from a, a rural environment towards like the huge cities they are at the moment, because like you have all of this interconnectivity and you're starting to have critical mass, which attracts like uh, even more. Uh, citizens and we are seeing like or like a similar concept i think with the web3 so the more interconnected your system is the more interactivity you can just provide between all of these chains and ecosystems the the more you become really the hub to connect all of those uh, ecosystems uh, around you and so like, I think like Vitalik also said this at one point that it's not really about creating like thousands of more tokens for different ecosystems, but the goal is really how can I better trade other tokens and, and bring those ecosystems together in a very smooth and frictionless way. And yeah. so I think with IOTA, we are like in a prime spot to realize this yeah. it's not yet done we have to implement some more things but uh, i think the direction in which we are heading uh, absolutely will hit the right spot mm -hmm. uh, also uh, you received a um, tiny piece of money about 100 million dollars uh, could you explain a little bit about uh, what the uh, what that's going to be used for as well as the what what's the part of the investors what are they going to do within assembly Oh yeah, uh, so so this is really good because in order to kickstart the ecosystem and to also support the builders um, building on it, like uh, like when you're creating like a new startup, for example, like you also need to collect venture capital in order to have some leeway to develop your uh, from a POC to an MVP or like build out your MVP with different functionalities, test your hypotheses on the market and so on. But for all of this, you need capital. And so this is quite exciting that we we are talking to those uh, VC companies and they're allocating 100 million for these high impact projects on IOTA. 
uh, and then to give this venture capital uh, to the towards the ecosystem growth. So when you're a company or an organization, you say, hey, I have an awesome idea. I want to implement this uh, on IOTA. Um, this is my business plan, how I want to do it. Um, then you can apply for a touch point. So touch point is like, is going to be the hub where we bring together venture capitalists, where we bring uh, together with the projects, together with the builders, and then you apply to touch point and we do the, like the matchmaking, like we give startup support. Like if you have like technical questions around how your order works, how smart contracts are working, maybe also uh, how to optimize your marketing, maybe like also legal support, we're going to flesh this now out. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, um, like uh, especially like Corey and Dan, they're the, the main drivers for this. Uh, but then you can apply for a touch point, or Christian as well. Then you can apply to touch point. Uh, and when you're selected as a touch point process uh, project, you get all of this uh, support. Mm, super cool. Can we expect more of these type of investors coming in and more more funds coming? So not to create expectation management, but uh, I think when we like first validate um, that the ecosystem is growing, then a lot more venture capital is going to be also interested. So I think like every fourth, third or fourth day or something like this, we are getting a request uh, or getting contacted by a venture capital company asking how to best invest. So wow. when, like there's a huge influx of money into the whole space. Uh, not only in iota of course like in general which is quite nice because we are starting to see the the benefits um, of this yeah, new ecosystem growth and this uh, and the whole metaverse um, and so we have a lot of money in flux uh, and yeah so i think we can like potentially also expect more in the future super cool uh this wouldn't be the monica podcast if it wouldn't fish for some spicy secrets would it uh, <laughs> so what can you tell the listeners uh do you have some juicy news for us i, I don't know if they like that juicy because like often we are still bound by the by the ndas so we have still several large companies building iota uh, which haven't been announced uh, so they are looking into iota they are testing it out what i described earlier with the innovation departments um we're going to build out the whole data space uh, like a lot more because like especially when DeFi is coming um, at one point I think the network might be congested uh, so like when you have mana in the network you can of course still issue any transaction you want uh, but the question is how do we best scale data maybe also through data sharding so I think uh, there are some nice parts which we which we uh, could publish soon or can publish uh, in some time because they were also relevant for for EBSI. So mm. what is the what is the best way to really scale across millions of transactions uh, per second? Uh, EBSI is the European Blockchain Service Infrastructure, which is like a, a very huge tender in the European Union of, of from the European Commission. Uh, and we are we applied there. We got selected in the first round, then we got uh, also selected in the, the second round, where we have now I think five participants, uh, and where we handed in some uh, yeah very uh, technical and descriptive uh, concepts how we envision like a million with several million transactions per second. Uh, so some several hundred page documents which we handed in and which were which were received quite nicely. Um, so EBSI is now starting so that we that we build the thing over the next couple of months. Um, we are going to enable a lot more the ecosystem. I think this is important because the IOTA Foundation should not act as a gatekeeper. Uh, in the whole space or also should not like really be necessary to vet projects because this just won't be possible uh, anymore in the future so we are potentially going to see like maybe fewer announcements from the industry partners because we also are focusing on the very high leverage ones uh, as well um, and don't want to publish just like anything but go towards more concrete uh, uh, projects like what we published with PropOps uh, recently. So we have like $1.2 billion of real estate managed on the on the IOTA Tangle and documented on the IOTA Tangle. 
So, but to uh, so to do blog posts about those and dive into um, those use cases. And at the other hand, we have all of the let's say projects building on assembly, the whole ecosystem growth. We cannot vet every project. And I don't think it's like also good if we promote a hundred projects from the IOTA Foundation and then maybe 90 go bankrupt over the course of a year. Uh, but essentially to think about how can we enable a promotion for those projects, uh, show off this whole ecosystem growth, which is like really important. Um, and establish vetting mechanisms and community control to transition um, from the IOTA Foundation. Not to say we are a gatekeeper uh, at the moment, but still a lot of things are circling around us um, towards like a self-sustainable community. And we see this with the, with the DAO, uh, which is starting to, to establish, uh, but also to grow more through partners or so through the solution partners that the solution partners are getting better enabled to build out use cases and implement use cases for the organizations who want to build on IOTA. Um, yeah, so we're going to start EPSI, we're going to be, we want to grow more through partners, we want to enable the ecosystem also through Touchpoint. Um, then we're also going to start Gaia X, uh, it has been started, so we received the approvals. Um, for the applications which we have been doing. So we're going to start some uh, several GAIA-X projects uh, in the uh, mobility and digital twin uh, space, the IECO one, but also then the other one is called uh, ROMS, so the remote operation management in GAIA-X. How can you secure remote operations through distributed ledger uh, technology? This can also be like software over-the-air updates, for example. Uh, yeah, and all of this is now starting. I don't know if it's like a really spicy secret, <laughs> but like yeah, the pipeline is completely like full already yeah. for 2022. We like hired, we have like a lot of hiring positions open. I think now just on Monday, six or I think seven new employees uh, have been starting at the foundation. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a growth what we are seeing. Yeah, totally. And a warm welcome to them. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited. Like all the stuff, uh, what is happening on IOTA, and also that we are transitioning towards a lot more community projects, as you have been seeing uh, in the beginning. So, we have the whole Web3 growth. We have projects like Forex Mythica, Elysi. I think like Adam is completely killing it. Uh, we have new. The infrastructure projects like the Mesh Plus or the GovsIO, which is quite interesting. We're going to have Tangle C, Tangle Swap as taxes. We're going to profit from this highly scalable, low-cost infrastructure layer to be like, like really competitive um, to to trade tokens back and forth. We have new companies like Signar, which came up over the uh, over the last year to anchor agriculture or IOTA into agriculture, which are also expanding now towards like completely new fields. We have seen uh, paper content, we are seeing uh, new grants. So we have like applied for another six grants were like a large infrastructure grants um, with 6.5 million euros, I think uh, in total. So to build out better infrastructure, so I don't know if we get uh, accepted for all of those uh, or selected for all of those, but it's uh, like, uh, Think like quite impressive what we are churning out <laughs> and what we are, where we are building out infrastructure with those partners um, and then see the ecosystem growth we see this whole gemeinde uh, mn uh, what is it like the municipal of mn uh, where we have like 50 40 or fifty thousand households um, connected to a private tangle we see the rusty robots we see the iota bots we see the morons so I'm absolutely like whenever like I see a new project, it's just absolutely motivating for like, maybe I can speak for everyone at the IOTA Foundation to see how what we are doing is starting to impact like a whole space, how mm. more and more people are starting to recognize those USPs and this, this impact IOTA can have and see just how others are utilizing what, what we are building and how others are also like motivating us to keep building and providing incentives, uh, yeah, support, uh, motivation also for the builders. 
Mm. Yeah, I can imagine it's very nice for you guys to be able to see that it's growing as rapidly as it is, because I, I can't keep up anymore. It's new projects every day just popping up here and there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I've just given up uh, trying to keep up, but but just can't. It's too much to to, to keep an eye on. Um, and my social you... media time has definitely increased. <laughs> yeah, of course. yeah, it has. <laughs> Uh, but like also when it comes to like industry partners, you have so many like well, uh, well-known uh, names around you. Uh, like just on the top of my head, you got ST uh, Microelectronics, which is a major microchip producer, if that's if that's the right word for it. Uh, Intel, Dell, you have Jaguar Land Rover, you have Zebra Technology, so many big names uh, surrounding you guys. Uh, they've been with you for quite a long time now. Um, like with Project Alvarium, for instance, you got the uh, Jaguar Land Rover car wallet, etc., etc. Um, so this is probably a sensitive question, but have you seen an increase of interest uh, for the, these partners to, to actually buy, invest in a token? Uh, yeah, so we have to distinguish between two, diff two different use cases, uh, like many of them are starting with data use cases, because as an organization, you don't need to buy cryptocurrency uh, mm. at the moment in order to use IOTA. Um, so you get rid of the whole regulatory legal financial hassle, maybe in your company. And this is one of the points where um, adoption is happening through the DeFi space. So these like fiat gateway bridges, how can I buy crypto more easily? Uh, how can I also buy IOTA more easily? Very often it's still complicated for companies because the regulatory aspects are not there. With companies were like even saying, oh, like I'm talking like more to my legal department than to my technical developers simply because there's a lot of ambiguity around it. This is where the whole DeFi space is just like pushing the whole regulatory aspect as well, which is which is nice and on which we rely. So I'm also like a big fan of regulation because it gets the whole crypto space out of this like, to say shady touch uh, of uh, of this narrative that crypto is only for the dark net and yada, yada, mm -hmm. yada to buy drugs. Um, so uh, we have all of these data-driven use cases. Um, and then we have like use cases which are using the token and especially from a corporate side most of them are you looking into the data driven use cases this includes also a digital identity which i think is going to be like an absolutely enormous thing i think it's completely underestimated how yeah. big digital identity is going to be when you can uh, connect your digital assets when you your um, your ownership uh, of real world assets, uh, your certain reputations, uh, your achievements and so on, uh, your uh, recommendations, references and so on. everything essentially which is evolving around you and you can connect it in an automated way and secure way directly to you. So I, I think it's quite underestimated what the impact of digital identity um, but it's a data-driven use cases uh, use case it doesn't involve any tokens and then we have like token use cases uh, of course where companies are actively uh, working with the with a token um, and in the future like both of them i think will also require the uh, the iota token and we are seeing also ramp up that companies are uh, organization are contacting us they are asking how can i buy the token uh, the IOTA token, uh, just to like also get in early and secure your stake in the network. Um, and so this is definitely increasing. Uh, several are like not known yet um, who, who are building on IOTA, who uh, like also bought the token. Uh, I remember one with like a seven digit uh, sum. Uh, but yeah, we have to like then see when it comes to uh, fruition. Uh, and when those projects uh, are being launched, some of them are also like deprecated, of course. No? When, the, when the innovation department says we are evaluating 10 projects and at one point they are saying, all right, we are going to decide for uh, two no, of those technologies. It's not necessarily only crypto, but can also be an AI project. And at one point the company says, yeah, we researched AI, we looked into it, but it's not really applicable to our business model. Uh, we tested it like for two years, went through different stages. This is when I talked about before about the slower innovation process. And at one point they just say, yeah, maybe we just like sit it out for another two years until the whole or three years until the whole space has matured a lot more. 
uh, but some of them are like starting to buy tokens. And uh, from what I see, it's also starting to increase simply because it's moving a lot more towards mainstream. Yeah, very good answer. Uh, absolutely love it. Uh, and as you say, I, I do think also that once the, uh, the data-driven use cases expand, uh, then it's getting easier to eventually adopt the token as well because they already have the technology. So it will be an easy step just to, to invite the token into it as well. Also, that is getting more accepted and standardized and you name it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I think we've covered everything. Uh, is there anything you would like to add? Uh, no, I think we went through a quite high number of, of areas and topics. Um, so yeah, thanks for the for the invite again, Thomas. It's absolutely a pleasure talking to you, uh, being here. Like really enjoying those those podcasts. I still need to listen to uh, to the uh, latest one um, with the doctor Doctor Tengel uh, who was mm. there. I really enjoyed the first two. I think it's an absolutely stunning format. Really enjoying it. So also thanks for organizing everything and, and squeezing it in into your your busy schedule already while being active on spec. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you very a lot much. For this. Uh, I really appreciate and... it. Uh, it. It's a lot of fun and it's a lot of good, good quality uh, episodes coming out in the coming weeks and months. Uh, quite a lot of exciting guests lined up. So I'm looking really much forward to it. Uh, thank you again for, for taking the time to, uh, to join us and explain a little bit more about what's happening. Um, so yeah, and it won't be the last time I will be inviting you. Yeah, it would, would be would be a pleasure. So I'm coming from the community. I discovered IOTA through the community. Maybe I didn't mention this in the beginning, uh, but I think my first six months I was like quite active in the community, helping people with, and I was still at Atos, helping people also with the reattachment, zero balance, and so on. Mm. So <laughs> whenever I hear zero balance or reattach, <laughs> yeah. it started like the adrenaline is shooting up, <laughs> simply because we had so many people there in the beginning. Um, but I'm also coming from the community. Maybe this is also why I'm so excited about the community projects. Uh, so also a lot of thanks from my side for providing the platform to them and promoting them through this podcast yeah really it's really nice uh so thank you very much again uh it's been a pleasure and uh, to everyone else uh, if you want to speak to me or holger you will find us in the uh, iota discord channel or twitter so until next time thank you very much cheers bye bye <laughs>